Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. If you're looking for jewelry that makes an impact on your self-care routine and your style, Empowerography would love to offer you a discount code to one of our exclusive partners, Quartz and Canary Jewelry and Wellness Company. Please use code EMPOWER15 to receive 15% off upon checkout at www.quartzandcanary.com. Quartz and Canary is truly the place where spirituality meets style. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Diana Jolene. She is an artist based right here in Toronto. Diana, how are you today? I am very well. Thanks, Brad. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here today and for taking the time out to share a bit about your story and your journey as an artist. And welcome to the Empowerography community. I appreciate you taking the time to be here. I'm super excited. Honestly, I've been looking forward to this. Awesome. So let's jump right in. Diana, you're an artist, painter. How long have you been painting and involved in art and what inspired you to paint? And also, two-part question, did you start <laughs> off painting or did you start drawing first? I can uh, honestly say I've been in the arts my whole life. My okay. earliest memory has been drawing or always creating. I've always seen art in everything that surrounds me. So I could say that I've been in the arts my whole life. Professionally, however, I've only been doing it for five years now. Yeah, five years. Okay. Sorry, I had to do I had to do some math <laughs> <Yeah>. there. <laughs> some mental math, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so professionally, I've only been doing it for five years. And by that, I mean creating and selling. So I, I you know, I've always created, but I've mm-hmm. never turned to seeing, you know, who, who would be appreciating what I create. Right. And to answer that last question, you know, you, you said to do first draw or paint. I definitely was a drawer first. And like I said, my earliest memory was just, you know, finding like a a white rock to draw on a dark rock and just for the sake of connecting lines and and creating images. Painting didn't come till much later because paint is expensive and you need need paint, you need paint brushes. And that wasn't really accessible as a a child. So right. Is anyone else in your family artistic or are you the only one like does art, does that artistic talent run through the family at all? My father is quite artistic, but he does it in a different way. Like he has the ability, like doing more of the calligraphy style art. So I can give that a a credit to him and my Mm -hmm. older sister when we were growing up we always used to draw together but it was more in the line of she was interested in fashion and design so we would draw just like stylized outfits together but in the in the big picture of has anyone really gravitated towards arts their entire life and that was their passion and hobby and I would have to say no I've been the only one in my family that have just looking back reflecting yeah it's been my everything for my my whole life. And, so. and how did the family look upon that when you decided to go full time? Because I know that a lot of parents and people in general, when you tell someone that, you know, like for me, I want to be a photographer or for you, you want to be a painter and that's what you want to do for a living. They're like, you can't make a living at art. What are you thinking? Did you get any kind of that stuff? Oh, I definitely did when I was <laughs> young. When, when I initially wanted to study art and be formally trained, 
post-secondary, I was told an absolute no by my parents. And so I wasn't, I wasn't able to go into that. You know, my father basically said the only way you'll be successful as an artist is when you're dead. And, <laughs> and, and they also, you know, looked at the, the, the classics of arts and realism. And they thought anyone who was good at art had to be really good at realism. And I really wasn't strong at realism. So they looked at like Da Vinci and Michelangelo, that's arts, art, artists to them. And I was nowhere near it. So they were like, you know, no, you can't study art. And yes, you have to go to get a proper education in their minds. But fast forward to when I decided to venture into arts and make it business or my profession five years ago, I was in my, I guess, mid thirties. And it was kind of like, oh, well, that's cute. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Like, you know, what do you have to lose? I guess, you know, if it's making you feel better about yourself, right? it was that type of tone. And, oh, what is that that you created? I don't get it. Oh, yeah. It was abstract and, you know, and it was kind of just me just navigating on my own, just following my instincts and uh, just, just letting it go where it, where it took me like no yeah. pressure. And, but they didn't really comment later in life because it was like, well, you know, well, you know, that's, that's nice. That sounds nice. <laughs> that's but, cute. <laughs> yeah. It's, that's cute. I got, I get that. Or, or the, my favorite, well, mm, that's interesting. And it's like kind of that polite answer, yes. but it wasn't until things started to take off that they started to take a step back and, and then start to have serious discussions with me about it and take it more seriously. See when, when that kind of stuff happens, I almost feel like, and not to your parents, but yeah, you know, no, I, I almost know. feel like saying, <laughs> See you fuckers, didn't I tell you? You you guys thought I, this was all a joke and Yeah. Uh, I I I have genuine not regret, but like I do reflect on my path and think I w- I wish I would have known how it would have turned out if I followed it, if I pursued it from when I was younger, got the training and then and delved into it my whole life, you know, properly. But everything happens for a reason and and I think sometimes um being ignorant to something and or oblivious it's actually works in your favor so you don't yeah. overthink it yeah so enough. it is what it is yeah yeah very true do you have any formal training as an artist or are you completely self-taught totally self-taught i have navigated towards youtube <laughs> the degree <laughs> of youtube just for like how to's with respect to manipulating paints and it's a real science, especially if you're using, you know, one type of paint over another. And mm-hmm. so I have navigated towards like tutorials or whatnot. But other than that, everything else is just following an instinct, kind of closing my eyes and just letting whatever's meant to happen, happen without overthinking it. But I, I genuinely wish, you know, I'm, I remember listening to an artist the other day and she said, okay, guys, here comes the uh, straight lines. I'm going to pull out my straight line brush. And I thought, oh, there's a straight line brush. Like I, have, <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah. So I was paying attention to the tip that she was using. I'm like, okay, well, this is the line brush. Now I know this is a line brush. But I mean, other than that, I'm I'm pretty much operating blindly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going with your gut and and what that's feels it. right, right? That's Intuition. it. Yep. Yeah. No rules, right? That, like, that's I it. think well, if you're what... trained, they'll you're, you're falling under somebody's tutelage and they'll say you can or you can't yes and when you're just going into it on your own there is no rules there is nothing like what you fall back on what i'm falling back on is just like my gut that's right and that's it yeah 100 yeah. what were you doing for a career before you made the jump to a full-time artist 
So Diana's past life, <laughs> no, uh, my past life, I fell into a part-time job in high school as a rental agent okay. in property management. And it uh-huh. was a great job because I wasn't flipping burgers and I wasn't making minimum wage. I was really getting paid well for the time. And I was able to wear office clothes and, and feel like an adult. I studied, I got my degree in business administration. And the only experience I had at that time was property management. So I just naturally fell into it and never left. So I I was in property and asset management for almost two decades, 20 years. Yeah. Cause I started when I was 16 and, you know, climbed the corporate ranks and, and that whole rabbit hole of like what you're aspiring for. Oh, I have a corner office. That's success. Oh, I have a, I have a company car check. Look at me. Oh, I have a national (laughs) title. Woohoo. You know, it's what we all try to do and, and, and in line of, you know, finding our way in our career and then being a mom, raising our family, you know, the whole, until we wake up, (laughs) until we get woken, until we get shook. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Yeah. So there's something I've often wondered about when it comes to artists, athletes, musicians, and just, I guess, artists in general and athletes. And I've mulled this over and debated this in my head with friends many a time are people just born with a natural ability or is it something that you can learn, practice and hone and eventually become artistic? I mean, some people, of course, they're just born with an ability to play an instrument or, I mean, you look at all the greats, yeah. Jimi Hendrix and Eddie Van yeah. Halen and all those. Yeah. And then you've got your artists, your painters, Da Vinci, all of those. Um, but I mean, for the most part, I'm of the mind that for the general people it has to be worked at it has to be honed your skills and like i said there are certain artists athletes musicians of an exceptional skill level but i think they're far and few between and i do believe that anybody can be taught and learn and become an artist to a certain degree what are your thoughts on all of that oh i definitely believe that if you want to become a race car driver or if you want to become an athlete in whatever sport, or if you want to be an artist or musician, of course, I can go take music lessons. Mm -hmm. And of course, I can apply all my skills that are taught to me towards that. And, you know, do the best that I can. What I feel separates the ones that truly make it, or that are recognized to the ones that are just taught, not just taught, like, they're not naturally gravitating towards it so if Mm -hmm. if you went and took an art class and they said Mm -hmm. this is how you draw an apple this is how it's three-dimensional this is how you do the shadowing Mm -hmm. that's great now if you don't have that inner instinct or that passion or this what I feel people are born with then how are you going to translate that into your own thing if all you know is to draw that apple I want to drive a race car and I, I think I can manipulate the car well but what separates like Lewis Hamilton from the rest? Mm-hmm. It's this thing that's within him that makes him like an, an instinctive machine almost right. that he, he and the car are one yeah. and that you can't train. It's right. like when they say, you know, you can train skill, you can't train personality. I totally believe that. And so I, I think, yeah, if somebody wants to study art and they want to be an artist, sure. And I think that's the beauty of art because it is, very subjective and people gravitate to do different looks and genres and all that stuff. But if it's in them truly like what they've just as long far back as they remembered, 
naturally gravitating towards it, then I think that's what makes it different because there's an emotion to it. You could throw paint on a canvas and I can throw paint on a canvas and, and, or do abstract because there's, it's a, it's a free for all, but there's like, there's a finesse to it because there's this feeling as you're doing it versus looking at teacher doing it and just mimicking them, Uh you know? So I definitely like, I'm not trying to say, no, you can't be an artist if you're not born with it, but I do feel that there's a separation and and that applies to everything in life. My younger sister, I remember her being four and sitting on the piano and playing something by ear. And I thought, Oh yeah. And I thought, wow. Okay. I want to take piano lessons. (laughs) It's so calming and and very relaxing. Just Uh listening to it. I couldn't do it. (laughs) <laughs> like I got through the the stages of it, but I mean, was there anything, could I create music outside of the music notes? No, because I was just trained to follow the notes. Right. So I feel like I don't want to be a negative person. Yeah, right. of course, anyone can learn how to draw and, or to specialize in a sport or a musical instrument, but there's this something special in, and I, I could think back to people when I was growing up with that were way better artists than me and uh-huh. they weren't trained it just came naturally to them right so that's how i feel about it you can definitely go for training to be an artist but there's what separates that person and artists out there is like that inner this fire that's within yeah. you that fuels the creative wheel uh-huh. but do you think that people that like i said again going back to being just kind of it almost seems like they're just born with this talent within yeah. them Do you think that someone who is, let's say, not born with it can attain that same skill level or achieve that same skill level with with putting in all the practice and having the passion and having the fire as someone who is actually, again, born with it? Do you think or I, do, you, do you think it's just yeah. a differentiator? I'll give you an example. I, I just earlier I referred to realism. My parents kept pushing like, oh, that's pretty, but it's not realistic mm-hmm. looking. Yeah. And the only way I'm able to do realism is through grid work. Right. And I don't know if you're familiar with it, but you basically take an image and you do one inch squares on the image, and then on the paper you do one centimeter squares, and you literally whatever that box line is, you do that line and you're able to piece it together to look as close to the real image as possible. Okay. If you pay attention to some of people's live videos or stuff they post on TikTok or Instagram, sometimes you will see the remnants of a square if they're working on a canvas, but no one wants to admit that they do grid work because it means that you don't have that natural ability, that perspective to draw something without assistance. So I I think for me, of course, if I wanted to hone in on my skills and I wanted to become a better artist, and I I definitely always want to improve in my craft, Uh what makes it different is, is that I would need a a different skill set to be able to achieve what somebody can do almost with their eyes closed. Mm. When you see these people that do, you know, portraits upside down, you know, you could try to do it till, you know, whenever, but yeah. you won't be able to do it as well as them. Right. Or it's just because that's something that they have. It's their talent. It's their yeah. God-given talent. Yeah. And and I truly believe like, yes, of course, if we apply ourselves enough towards something, we can achieve our level of success mm-hmm. to it. 
but are we at the same mastery level as the ones that we aspire to be at? No, because that's what they are born with. That's what makes the world special is that we all have our different unique attributes and strengths. It's just how we apply them. Yeah, for sure. I, I just, I find that topic very interesting to discuss and it's, it's always in the back of my mind just I just, I think it's an incredibly interesting topic. Yeah. It's, it's like, I, I recently did a behind the scenes for rain because uh-huh. there's a future collaboration coming up and uh-huh. it was kind of like, I don't want people to think I sit there and I just literally throw paint on a canvas and, and it's in a 22nd time-lapse video. There's far more to it than just that, right. but that's between, I know it's going to sound silly, but that's between me, my process and the canvas. Cause that's yeah. what I choose to do that's right. and how it translates to the viewer is up to them as how yeah. they receive it. You know, I want to create sure. music for the eyes and whatever music they're hearing when they look at it is not something I can control. But for me, I leave an emotion with it and I uh-huh. do certain steps and I create difficulty levels for myself just so that there is an applied effort to every piece that I do. But that's right. again, my choice. But if, if you had paints and you went on YouTube and you learned how to manipulate paints and you bought uh-huh. a canvas, could you create a work of art? A hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Okay. I think anyone's capable yeah. of like whatever they set their mind to. If that's sure. What they you just have do, to 100%. apply yourself. Yeah. Yeah. But right. whether they can continue to go on and create on their own, their own look, their own signature, uh-huh. I, that, that can't be taught. Yeah. That has to come from within you. For sure. Like, honestly, Brad, how many paintings have you seen of the mouth that's like that that's biting the lip and it's uh Louis Vuitton on the uh-huh. lips and everybody's doing that image now, yeah, right? Everybody. Yeah. But who was the one that did it first? Yeah. Like you could do that. Sure. Can you do that? Yeah, of course you can. But what's your signature that's going to separate you from everybody else? And, right. and that applies to everything, whether that's it's right. podcasts or race car drivers or yeah. athletes, what separates us? Well, it's, that it's, special something yeah it, it's just like photography you can't teach someone to have an eye no you either have no, exactly. one or you don't exactly 100 percent. Mm. i can give my daughter the slr and she comes back with like amazing things i'll give yeah. it to my son and i'm like were you looking through the lens <laughs> it's the same equipment it's the same you know click the button yeah but do you see the art in something That's or the right. lighting or or do you not and yeah can i take a class in that yes sure uh-huh. But does that mean that I'll naturally have that ability after? I don't no. think so. No. no. Right. Yeah. yeah. Diana, did you find it tough as an artist to make the transition to being an entrepreneur as well? I mean, to also worry about running a business. And I mean, as I know personally, a lot of artists, I don't know about you, but I know me, I prefer not to deal with the business side of things. And I know you and I were just talking about this before we went live yeah. um, with yeah. all the administrative and stuff. Yeah, I find the artists would rather just focus on their art. So was that transition of learning to also worry about that stuff and having to deal with all that stuff hard for you? I want to say, no, it wasn't hard okay. for me because I'm very lucky to have my business background. And that's where my business savvy, all those years of whatever that I had to do in managing budgets, mm-hmm. making a profit and seeing the return on investment and seeing it in a business perspective was, you know, 20 years worth of experience. Right. Uh-huh. What was hard was putting myself on a timeout. So I initially turned to the arts because it was for therapy and just as a hobby and a passion 
And then I realized that there was a market for what I was creating, but I was creating much faster than the market demanded. And I, I was left with like, <laughs> I don't, I don't even remember, I think 60 works of art and no space. And I thought you got to stop creating is easy. <laughs> Like you can go out and take a thousand pictures, right? Yeah. Now, okay, what are you going to do with them after? Yeah. That's where you have to put yourself on a creative timeout. So I did. I put myself on a, on a timeout where I was not allowed to create and I had to refocus my energy on the business side. It wasn't difficult to focus on that because of my background, but it was challenging to sell myself. Right. So it's it's easy to find an antique teapot and say, this is the teapot, this is how old it is, you know, the filigree and all that stuff, and you're selling an object. But when you're selling art, you're selling the artist, the story behind the artist. And for me, that was challenging okay. because I'm not one to talk about myself. I've never been one to be so open and and especially when it's discussing art, because for me, it's very vulnerable. It's very scary it was very scary for me to say here's what i've created what do you think you know yeah. and then brace yourself for what they're going to yes. respond to yes and and that's really that's what i found difficult the okay i think this is worth x i'm gonna market it on y i'm going to um not create i'm gonna create a spreadsheet all of that stuff is very easy mm-hmm. but putting myself out there and being the face behind it that was hard that was yeah, that is definitely tough sharing your art and putting it out there for the public to see what you've created. And then, yeah, like you said bracing yourself for the, yeah, the feedback and, and everything else that comes along with it, because everyone has an opinion, right? And unfortunately, or fortunately, we're in a virtual world. Yes. So my feedback is based on number of likes. Yeah. <laughs> and is anyone in aside from if they're going to buy it or not, it's oh, how many people are res- responded to this positively? Mm-hmm. And when there isn't that much of a positive response, you then start to doubt, are you on the right track? Yeah. Or what's not appealing? And then you doubt your craft or your yeah. intuition. And when that self-doubt creeps in, it really puts a, uh, like a stop to everything, whether it's business or creative or otherwise, you start to just question everything. So I think being a an artist is a very it's a beautiful thing. It's a mm-hmm. freeing it's a freeing passion for me. But it's also terrifying because I've said this before, it's every time I'm creating, I'm cutting myself open. I'm pouring my soul onto the canvas. Then I'm turning that canvas around to the world and bracing for their response. Yeah. And it's like reading your your diary out loud yeah and it's a a very sweet vulnerability to it and just adapting to that and kind of being more confident in yourself is what makes it obviously easier over time but creating easy uh making it into a business no problem speaking about myself and being the face of the business that was (laughs) okay yeah now you briefly mentioned and I read that you turned your lifelong passion for art into a career in form of therapy as a result of a very personal near fatal experience. Can you tell us a bit about that experience and how it led to you or your diving into or immersing yourself in your art? 
Sure. I, yeah, I was in property management for 20 years and just another day heading into the office. You know, I don't know why things happen in life, but I experienced a severe car accident. I was heading through an intersection. It was green light for me and I hear an engine and I turn and all I saw was a set of headlights at my driver's side door. I do remember hearing myself scream And that's kind of a blur from there. When I came to and was seeking help and calling for police and and assistance, I then realized the severity of the situation. When I saw there was a point in time where I, you know, everybody surrounds you, you're the police, the ambulance, the fire. And it was kind of like all, all hands on deck between trying to get me out of the car and not moving. I didn't realize the severity of my injuries at the time, but when the fireman was holding my head and I couldn't move. And all I could see was through the mirror. I then realized that the front end of that pickup truck was completely, I don't know how to say it. Like it was completely smushed in. Like there was no more front to it. Right. And then I realized that, well, if that's his truck and they can't get to me in my little sedan and the fire department's trying to use the jaws of life and all that stuff, then then it had to have been pretty serious. But again, when you, uh, you know, God forbid you've ever been through an accident or any sort of trauma, your adrenaline kicks in. There's this clarity and fogginess all in one. You remember specific things, but everything else is sort of a blur. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I do remember key things, but I didn't realize how injured I was. Being a very determined, stubborn personality, (laughs) I've, 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 I've worked so hard to be where I am in my career. You know, I was very proud to have all these feathers in my caps and I was making good money. And I was just, you know, I was on, on cloud nine. I, it didn't even cross my mind that I wasn't going to go back to work. I was off work for about 120 days. I had to do some grueling physiotherapy. I couldn't even hold my head up the injuries, the injuries that I sustained were to the top of my neck, my spine, I I didn't know at the time, but to my head as well, like I sustained mild head trauma. And, you know, at first, it was just like trying to gain mobility back, but certain things never came back. And certain things got worse. And I had to just succumb to the, the new reality that I was living, which was permanent disabilities. It it was a grueling three years of being back at work, trying to make it like as if nothing happened. But meanwhile, I was having very serious, uncontrolled, unpredictable symptoms occurring where it caused me to almost lose consciousness or be vomiting in a corner. And and here I am running across the office trying to hide that I'm, I'm about to get physically ill and, and be sitting in a bathroom and the room is spinning and I couldn't control blurred vision, I started to stutter, I started to have memory loss. So it was a lot of things that were terrifying. And I had no control. I went from the Diana that was in charge and in control, and to this Diana that had no control. Fast forward, you know, I I was seen by nine specialists, three hospitals, I can't even tell you the amount of medications that I was prescribed and taken off and tried a lot of MRI, CT scans, probing and so forth. And I was finally seen by a neurologist out of Mount Sinai, who changed my life because he put names on things that I was going through, which helped me to identify what it was that I was going through. For a while, I was like blindly going through each day and I didn't know what to expect. But when somebody says, this is what you're dealing with and you know what to expect and you can articulate it, then 
it sort of helps the puzzle's still broken, but it helps to piece things together yeah. and make sense for yourself. So I was in the end had diagnosis of stage four vertigo, post-concussive oh. disorder, which never really goes away, fibromyalgia, and um, something called autonomic nervous system dysfunction, which when you injure your spine, you're then left with blood pressure deficiencies. And your like your spine basically controls your blood pressure, your body temperature, a lot okay. of things that I, I wasn't aware of. Mm-hmm. So I was having these episodes where I'd be like walking down the stairs and then I would like crash. And I, oh, I refer yeah. to them as crashes because I didn't know what else to, re- to refer to them as. Right. But basically as I'm, I'm manipulating downwards, I would lose consciousness and end up at the bottom of the stairs. So holy shit! it was at that point where I realized like I can't safely be driving or operating or working. And I was forced to leave my job after three years after my accident. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was temporary. I thought, okay, I'll focus on my health. I'll get myself back on track and I'll get back into it. But I had to accept the fact that these disabilities um, won't go away. They will forever remain unpredictable. And it's not, it's not feasible for me to be back in that job where I was on call seven days a week, 24 hours a day. I was managing 33 properties over 17 cities. Like it was a high Jeez. physically demanding, mentally demanding job. And I was totally okay with it pre-accident, post-accident. Yeah. It wasn't feasible anymore. And I tried to accept certain things and just, you know, cater to my new disabilities, but I just wasn't able to even hold myself up behind a desk or in front of a computer or, you know, to even have modified duties because one hour is okay. And then the next three days is bad. And it's just not, you know, sustainable for any employer to have that. So I accepted, I accepted that I was very lucky because Mm -hmm. I walked out of the hospital when I was discharged. I'm you know, I am left with permanent disabilities, but I am able to hold this conversation with you. Yeah, I am able to hold and cherish memories that do stay with me. <laughs> because there, are, there are memories that do fleet, and I can't control it. And I am able to um, appreciate the small things in life now. So that part of my life, I, I said before, you know, you don't know why things happen. I still don't know the severity of like, why did it have to be so severe? But I'm grateful for it in the sense that I feel like I am now allowed to live a life that I would have never been able to because there would have never have been the time for it. So in that, you know, that rat race with everybody else and not look, not looking left or right, just looking straight. And I was missing out on everything around me. And now I'm able to, I am going at a much slower pace, not out of choice. Right, But because I'm going at the slower pace, I'm able to appreciate things in my life that I would have never been able to before. Unbelievable how things, how perspectives change and how things sometimes have to happen in order to make you realize what you need to do in life and to slow down. And it's absolutely crazy, but everything happens for a reason, right? Yeah. Like earlier you said, you know, when you're, you're awakened, you know, yeah. when you're, you know, when you wake up, I'm like, or you're shook, <laughs> like, yes. you're, you know, I was shook. And when the dust settled, it was like, you know, I'm very blessed. I, when I always reflect back on that day, I'm very blessed because it could have been, it could have been much worse. Yeah. Like I, yeah. How did that experience help you to find your voice and style as an artist? Do you think, you know, after the accident, I lost everything in my mind, you know, I lost my identity. 
like I was still a mom and a wife, but I was no longer this powerhouse Diana who could hold her own in a boardroom of men who were old enough to be her grandfather and run circles around everybody and making this big income and all of this stuff. And, and then on top of that, I never had headaches before and I never was sick. I never needed an alarm clock. I was just very healthy, energetic. And then all of a sudden I felt sickly and weak and dependent and it became very dark for me. I, I, uh, I became severely depressed. I developed anxiety and panic attacks, which were as a result of the accident. I still flinch if something comes at me from my peripheral and I still right. startle as if it's like a cat jumping that I still, because it's, it's this internal guarding that will never go away. But I developed mental health issues and my mental health disabled me sometimes in more ways than my physical health did. And I can't right. emphasize that enough because there were days my body wasn't attacking itself, but I couldn't get out of bed because of, I just couldn't. I was just in, in a very dark place and I developed insomnia and I just always felt like I was laying somewhere unable to move and thinking and dwelling. And I remembered one night I was in that dark space and it was, I don't even know, one or two in the morning and I couldn't sleep. And I don't know, it just like sort of hit me, your art. And I hadn't drawn or painted in so long. I hadn't done anything in so long because there was no time for it. I just right. was always like, you know, you go to work, you come home, you cook, you clean, your kids, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. All of a sudden, I'm like, wait a minute, my art. And I, I left my bed. I went to the basement. And I, I knew I had stuff that I had from when I was in high school, like my oh, art yeah. kit and some old canvases. And I found them. And I remembered opening the tube of painting, please still be alive, please still be alive. <laughs> because it had been like so long, 18 years, and it was fine. I remember thinking, Oh, my God, I can make this work. And I pulled out an old canvas from grade 10 art class or something, I still had the grade on the back, which I hated. And I thought, <laughs> Okay, I got a canvas, I got this. And I'm going to paint. And I went to grab the paintbrush and my hands started to tremble. And that's one of the symptoms that I'm left with is sometimes my hands shake from my head injury. And I just remember thinking, well, F, F you paintbrush. And I yeah. threw it and I'm like, I'm just going to do whatever. Yeah. Who cares if I'm going to paint with for myself, then, then why should there be any rules? I could use whatever I want. And I started to do something just falling back on that natural, organic, feeling that I always grew up with, which was every time that I had time as a child is I would be drawing, painting, doodling, like just creating. Yeah. And it became therapy. I remember being done with the canvas, not really sure as to what I had just done, because it wasn't realism, mm -hmm. wasn't anything identifiable, but it, it felt good to create, it reminded me of me again. And it was the one thing that hadn't changed. And I went to bed, I took a picture of it and I posted online, I was proud. Mm -hmm. And I went to bed and I woke up and I remember going to bed feeling satisfied, like I had yeah. accomplished something, which I hadn't had for so long. It had been, it's been years of this darkness. It was a very quiet time for me, yeah. but dark. And uh, the next day somebody had messaged saying, if, asking if it was for sale. <laughs> and I was like, wow, really? And I Yes. And then I thought, no, I don't want to sell it. It's my first painting in how many years? And, yeah. and I was like, no, Diana, let go, let go of it. It's that's the beauty of creating. And then at that point, I was like, okay, well, what do I ask for it? What do I, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I've never sold anything in my life. I, I, you know, I always just drew, drew for myself, sculpted for myself, painted, never put a price on it. And then I remembered it was like a small painting and I 
I said, $75. And they said, okay. And I went, oh crap, I should have asked for more. <laughs> yeah, always <laughs> the way, I, right? Yeah, because it was like such a quick, okay, no yeah. problem. And then I was like, wait a minute, I think there's something here. And I think I, think I can feel good again. And yeah. it could be me again. And, yeah. uh, and that, that was the beauty of how I gravitated towards art after I had, it was like an old friend that I had, you know, put away. Yeah. And then all yeah. of a sudden you pick up with that old friend and it's like, you've never, you, you never didn't skip a beat, time. didn't miss a beat. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. For sure. It was, yeah. So as, as terrible as your situation was and the experience was, it, it's, it brought about some incredible things back into your life. It brought this full circle. Yeah. It brought back this Diana that wanted to be an artist that could finally be an artist. And, you know, we were talking earlier, like if you want to go into art, you have you weren't born with it, but you're interested in it and you want to do it, then do it. Yes. And that's where I was at in my life. And I remembered, and it's ironic because I hate stairs because I always have these crashes on them. And I, uh-huh. I always hold the handrail and I always count as I go up or down in my means of trying to control the outcome. But I remembered like as if it was yesterday going up the stairs and I was counting. And then before I reached the top, I thought to myself, Diana, you can finally call yourself an artist, which is all I ever wanted. Mm-hmm. I had lost myself along the way in that. I don't want to call it, you know, it wasn't a terrible time in my life. I had a lot of good experiences, but I had lost myself in that race of what's your title? What's your income? Yes, Where do you, you live? What's, before you were what's your postal code? <laughs> what kind yeah. of car are you driving? Yes. You know? Where Those do your all things kids define you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's these check marks of, of your status of success. Yeah. This is what success means. And all of a sudden, here I am. I only sold one piece of art. I only made a, like 75 bucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and But I was an artist. And, and you felt I, on top of the world. You felt alive. Again. And I felt, and I was like, oh, you're, you know, you're, you're 40 years old, but you could say you're, you're finally an artist. Yeah. And I remember that going up the stairs, because again, the stairs are such a nightmare for me, yeah. but there was this moment of peace on them. So it was ironic that the two worlds, what of the negative and my disabilities mm-hmm. was trumped with that feeling and that freedom of being able to just do whatever I want my disabilities still affect me till this day. Like I could be in, in my art space studio and paint and do a solid, you know, eight hours, but then I could be wiped out for two weeks and not go back. But I am still an artist. I don't lose myself in that time. I just have to allow myself the time that my body needs to get back on track. And then I can resume whenever I choose and go back to creating. That doesn't stop me from being an artist. And that was my aha moment in life. Like, it doesn't matter if I'm selling or not selling or if I'm creating or not creating. I'm still an artist. Yeah. No one can take that away from you. No one and nothing. Even my disability. That's right. That's right. Now, you ended up creating a unique staple or signature piece of art through your experiences and dreams called Bunny. Can you talk to us a bit about that dream and how this creation came to be and tell us about Bunny and what it represents for you? So I had a dream about Bunny. It was on the heels of creating a giveaway for a a luxury magazine. And it was in my attempt of trying to put myself out there. Initially, I created an abstract piece and I was done ahead of schedule and I was very happy. And then I went to sleep and I woke up at three in the morning with this image of this simple lined bunny. 
And because of my short-term memory, I sometimes write things down in the middle of the night and mm-hmm. I had my iPad next to me. So I drew it quickly. Yeah. And for whatever reason, I don't know why I wrote B-U-N-E-E and <laughs> I went to sleep and I, yeah. no, I actually texted it to my son who is like one of my biggest fans. And I, I texted <laughs> it to him and, and then the next day he's like, what is this? And I'm like, I don't know. I just dreamt of it. And I asked him and his his older sister for help so I can have time to create this thing because I had to bring it to life. And I don't know again why I when he said bunny, I was like, no, it's bunny because it's not. <laughs> I know it sounds bougie, but it wasn't meant to be bougie. It was just like it's not a rabbit. I know yeah. it looks like a rabbit or a bunny, but you know, what is it to me? I, I've been asked that so many times and I give always the same answer or I try to because it's not a rabbit, but it's not a human. It's like a bunny that has human attributes. It's nothing but like everything. It's just bunny. Yeah. I have put no pressure on this thing. <laughs> I call it an it. It's not a he, it's not a she, it's it. It's bunny. I have put no pressure on this on this thing. And I did it as part of the giveaway. Mm-hmm. And I had these random people messaging me how they told me that they went out, bought the magazine, rearranged their entire schedule and their attempts to win the first bunny. Wow! And I was like, wow, cool. That's a compliment in itself. Yeah. And I, I remember during the, the live interview, they were interviewing this local celebrity and the poor thing didn't understand what was going on because everybody was typing bunny. They were typing. <laughs> They were show, they're putting the bunny emoji. We're here for bunny. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God. I felt so much love and support towards this little innocent drawing that I started to just gravitate towards whatever I wanted to do with it. And I started to do luxury brands on my own. Like I, I love Rolex. So I, of course yeah. I had to create a Rolex bunny. And I wanted to thank an artist that was assisting me during my process of this giveaway. So I went to, to create a bunny of him, a uh, for him rather. And then it, when I was creating it, I decided to make it to look like him because he had okay. these signature style glasses and he didn't know what it was going to look like. He had never met me. You know, he was very gracious. We met outside his condo. He videotaped me like approaching him. I remembered feeling so awkward. <laughs> I'm not one to be in front of the camera or right. anything. And then I remembered him wanting to be videoed, you know, opening it up. So he passed me his phone. He's like, here, I'll record my reaction. And I thought, okay. And he was so like caught off guard with that, the bunny looking like him and he held it side by side and he was wearing his signature white glasses. Yeah. It turned into this reveal <laughs> and which became a beautiful, like natural part of the tradition of bunnies that if you get a bunny, you don't know what it's going to look like. And then there's a reveal in the end. That's on awesome. The, yeah. And on the heels of that, he's like, Oh, you should contact this other artist. And I thought, Oh, I, you know, look up to him. Of course I'd love to, you know, meet him and, and go from there. So I did an artist series and I've done some pretty in my, like these guys are rock stars for me. Yeah. And I'm very proud to have done bunnies of them. But yeah. on the heels of that, I get messaged by this really like obscure Instagram account saying, can you do bunny with a Lamborghini? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And I just remember t- talking to him and, and I didn't even know who I was talking to. I just thought it was a Lamborghini, you know, person, yeah. like a, a person who loves Lamborghini. Yeah. Well, it ended up being the, it ended up being Grand Touring Autos out of Toronto. And <laughs> so then I was kind of, caught off guard with the fact that it's you know these luxury cars yeah. supercars 
and it's going to be in the showroom. Wow. Um, yeah. So it was a lot of pressure and we did a rooftop reveal with these Lamborghinis on <laughs> overlooking the skyline. And within four weeks of launching Bunny on the Instagram live series, I had a wait list at Christmas and I was, <laughs> I was doing a tour of the Lamborghini Bunny in a, a private rally in Muskoka. So it was kind of these like shocking moments where I'm at these events and, you know, Bunny's put in an Evo Huracan and I'm <laughs> like standing next to it with a white t-shirt and jeans and runners because I didn't even know what I was walking into. Yeah. It's like so over my head. It just happened so fast. So Bunny took off on its own and everybody wanted to see what my interpretation was of them as Bunny. And the process was very simple in that I asked them all the the exact same questions. Yeah. I just take some time to just kind of read their tone, read read into certain things on my on my own, my own yeah. intuition. Yeah. I go off and I create and I come back and then we do this big reveal, an unveiling or an unwrapping. And they get to see certain things that are between them and I that they've disclosed in private, mm-hmm. that's sentimental, that's hidden. And is when they look at it, they know what it means. When you look at it, you would not know. Right. Um, and also seeing themselves as Bunny, which is that's so, incredible. Yeah. So Bunny then turned into merchandise where I was approached by a musician to do a Bunny a shirt, which sold out within 72 hours after oh, launching. Wow. It was all gone. <laughs> and I thought, oh, cool. Okay, great. It just, I wasn't able to really catch my breath and think about anything on my own until 2021. So like Bunny was launched in COVID. Okay. <laughs> it's not even a year old. It was July 23rd of 2020 that so Bunny was launched. So he's coming up on a year. He's coming up on a year and uh you know by the time January 2021 rolled around I'm, I was doing BMW Bunny. I was Jeez. rolling out my I was rolling out my sculpture series. I had partnered with Sick Kids and I had these limited edition shirts that you know are still for sale. We're about 50% sold but the whatever funds are raised are going to sick kids. I was approached by another clothing line. Uh, they're part of the low riding community. They're out of LA, LA Toronto base, and they wanted to do their take on Bunny merchandise and that sold out. So it's kind of been like a whirlwind as to who's approached me or seen the potential of Bunny within their organization. And what I realized about Bunny is it's, it's so versatile. It could yeah. be on a shoe. It could be an car air freshener it could be a painting it could be a sculpture it could be jewelry it could be anything and that's why it's it's nothing but it's everything what an incredible Um, journey yeah 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 so i still creating my my sculpture series i'm not i don't want to say waitlisted but i am behind in my orders Mm -hmm. which is exciting yeah i do have uh, bespoke paintings till christmas that i'm working on Oh, and I am partnering with another clothing line later on down in maybe uh, in the fall. You know, I just want to give the kids more time. Yeah. Yeah. It's been been fun. Incredible. That's amazing. Yeah. You've also created a new abstract series of works called Un. Can you talk a bit about where the inspiration for those pieces came from and tell us a bit about the pieces? Give us some background on those. So Un, it's kind of funny because I was playing digitally on my iPad and I was overlapping Bunny and I overlapped him and I was trying to incorporate Bunny in an abstract piece just in the sake of creating for, and mm-hmm. not with the rules of it being somebody. Right. And 
all of a sudden I see looking back at me was this another rabbit, another bunny, another image of a bunny. And I thought, what the heck? <laughs> so I, de I delayered the image and there it was just this creepy, more modern. <laughs> he's this, he, I, you know, I call it creepy or edgy or I don't know how to explain it. It's just more me. Yeah. It, like, Bonnet is very innocent and looks very, very innocent and, and, and simple and all that. But Oon to me has an edge and I, I relate more to Oon. It's called Oon because if you take the B and the E off of Bonnet, you're left yeah. with U and E. And that's, right. it only made sense because it really was based on an overlap of Bonnet. Yeah. I have like introduced Oon to the world, I guess, on social media, but I stopped. Because with Oon, I don't want it to be, I see a total different direction on it. And I think it may, I, I don't want to speak prematurely, but I think it may land more into a clothing line because the name in itself, the U with the double dot on top, like, yeah. and the N and the E, it looks like a really cool logo. Yeah. And then the Oon image itself, again, it, this one, it's a, a little bit more, I could play around with it more and put a cigarette out of its mouth and not really worry about its image. Yeah. <laughs> whereas, whereas Bonnet, I wouldn't. Yeah. So with Oon, there is this freedom of, of a little bit more no rules and it may fall into the NFT world. It is alive. It has been, it has been, you know, conceived and it's been a sort of announced, but I, I've put a pause on it because I don't want it to take off in a way creatively that I'm not in tune with. And yeah. I know that sounds silly because when people dictate to you what they want out of art, you lose that fun. You lose that instinct. You're not doing what you want to do. You're doing what they expect. Right. And I don't want that of Oon, so I'm leaving it for now. But, you know, I've been able to, I've created Oon, I've created the Rain series and One Sky this year. Uh -huh. And I love these series. I love them because, again, it allows me to be free creatively. Yeah. The rain series I find very therapeutic. It's the sound of rain when the paint hits the canvas. I lose control, even though there is control. I don't know how to explain it. Like I'm controlling the palette yeah. and I'm controlling the size of the canvas, but I can't control the outcome. Right. But it's it's very therapeutic, just the sound of it. And then one sky I started as well this year, and it's a an overlap of resin-based paints over a spray paint background. And you know, it's been a very political time in our world and I don't yeah. delve, I don't delve into it in my art, but I just, I created one sky in, in as the only thing that I'm going to say about the politics in the world is that we're all under one sky. You know, yeah. if we all just stop and take a minute and realize For we're sure. all in this together, it, it, uh, things would be very different. More, yeah. And I look at it and I think there's an opportunity and it's more harmonious, you know, yeah. but but those are the series that I'm working on outside of Bunny, and they allow me full creative control, and and I just love it. And that's just this year, so we'll, that's awesome. we'll see. Lots more great we'll, stuff to come. I'm we'll sure. see. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where do you pull your inspiration from when creating a new work of art? I honestly follow my instincts now. I don't want to put too much pressure on. You know, I want it to follow this artist, or what is this artist doing? There's so much around me that is very loud and I, and loud art and in your face and it's hard to ignore it. But I was told one time, I heard it, I'm not sure where, but it's like as a creative, if you look to your left or to your right, you will lose yourself. Don't look around you when it comes to creating, just look straight. And by that, it's like, look into yourself 
and just follow what's in you because that's what's original. And I draw on that. And I remember one day I had this canvas in front of me. I didn't feel like painting. And I was having a high anxiety day and I thought, I'm just going to doodle. I always doodled as a kid, but this time I'm going to do it on a canvas with expensive Posca markers. So they're acrylic based markers. Okay. And I just, no pencil, no sketching on an iPad, no nothing. Just, I put up the time-lapse camera and it was just me and the canvas and these Posca markers. And I just went and I just, if I felt like drawing a fish, I drew a fish. If I felt like trying this weird robot looking thing, I did that. If I felt like drawing a spider hanging from a rainbow, I like, I just drew anything that came to my mind without any thought or worry or hindrance. And that became a series in itself as well, to be honest with you. I didn't plan for it, but there was such a positive response to the, the doodle that I did that people were asking me, what is it called? And then I took a vote and all that stuff. But for me, I told myself, again, if I'm doing this, if I'm doing art truly for myself, then I should approach each canvas with no rules and I should just do whatever I want. And I the rest is the beauty of it. If, you know, there's enough room for all of us artists out there. There's some artists that hold their cards so close to their chest and I don't understand why. You know, they're successful, they're established. There's so much room out there for all of us. There's so much wall space out there, you know, there's room there in, for all of us in this world to be whatever, whatever it is. And I just tell myself there's room for me in whatever I create. So I'm just going to create what I want to create. And at least it's authentic to myself and there's That's a story right. behind it. That's right. Yeah. See, people yeah. get so caught up in this competition mindset bullshit. Yeah. I mean, I was caught up in that too when I first yeah. started my photography business, but you got to get out of that. There is, like you said, there is more than enough work out there. I mean, not everybody's going to be your client. So there's, no. there's tons yeah. of work out there for everybody. Everybody can win. You know, it's just, it's just that competition mindset that, that puts a wrench into everything. And it's a horrible, horrible mindset to be in. And if you're competing with people that have, have like created their looks, then you're not really competing. You're just copying. Yes. So, so then why bother? You're not really tapping into the, the creative instincts. You're just following. Yeah. And I can't stand that. And I think I've always, if somebody was doing one thing, I always did the opposite because it drove me crazy of the thought of me having anything that ended up looking like them. And that's just who I am as a person. So there's a lot of people out there doing that mixed media and it's really cool. And it's, you know, the resin and the Swarovski and it's amazing. Like the end result is like phenomenal. But is that me? No. <laughs> Could I do it? Yes. Do I want to? No. And, and go. if I did, it's not me. It's not me. That's I'd right. be, it's, yeah. So that's how I look at it. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I've always, once I shifted my mindset and realized that my only competition is me, as long as I'm improving, that's all that matters. Yeah, 100%. That's that's the only focus, you know. It's yeah. yeah, it's hard to get out of that mindset when you're in it, but once you do, your world opens up and things change so drastically. No, I I believe in that 100%. You have to constantly be a student of your craft. Yes. Because of course. if you think you've mastered it, then what's the point on continuing if you're not going to learn or grow from each experience? Well, where so else I, can you go from there if you think you've mastered nowhere. it? Nowhere. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. 
in no profession do you ever stop learning and no. none. And even if you're working with people and your profession is mundane, you're still learning from the people around you. And those experiences will make you better as a person and as whatever the profession that you're doing. So, so in nothing that you do in life, do you ever stop learning. And if you think you uh, have and you've learned it all, then really, you know, then what's the point on continuing? Yeah. I always consider myself a student of the arts. And I think I will always consider myself a student of the arts because I'll always want to learn and grow and move forward. Always. 100%. What artists do you look up to and admire, Diana? So there is one, and I'm not, th- these are not big names that I look up to. Uh, maybe you've heard of them, maybe not. One of them is Carmen Herrera, mm-hmm. and she is 104 years old. Wow. And she's, yeah, she's still painting. And I think she has her own Netflix show, it's like The 100 Year Journey or something. She was painting with like great artists, but she was always overlooked because she was female. She was ahead of her time. Right. And for her to be 104 and still doing these hard edge contemporary works, and she still does it with her old school style where she does it on a sketch and then she makes it onto a canvas. That's pretty dedicated. That's truly driven by passion. That's somebody who kept going in life when there was no recognition. And I think that says a lot about somebody for truly being an artist. You know, sure. some, so many people quit if they're not recognized. She kept yes. going for for decades before she gained any recognition. I aspire to be like that because there are days that I want to quit. And of I course, think, no. we all have those. So I, I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I exposing myself to this? You know, it's so mean. <laughs> people are so mean. Why am yeah. I doing this? So I think of people like her. And then the other artist is a Canadian artist. And her name is Rita Latandra. Okay. And she she's in her 90s as well. She is very gracious because I I ordered her book off of Amazon and it was a compilation of her works. She actually did a lot of murals in Toronto that have been since taken down or covered up. She was an indigenous artist, which again, being female, indigenous in the 70s, like, you know, yeah, forget for it. Sure. Forget it. Forget yes. it. And there's this picture of her if you look her up, and she's wearing leather pants. <laughs> uh, I'm not joking, barefoot leather pants. And she's in this apartment with this canvas that's like 17 feet tall. And it was like, amazing. And she did also hard edge contemporary works. And her story is very inspiring. And I bought her book off of Amazon and then I looked her up because it said that she lives in Toronto and I found her number. And like a crazy person, I called her (laughs) and because I had to, because you only live once. And what is she going to do? Say, you know, but I spoke with her assistant and her assistant said she'd pass my message along. And sure enough, she accepted my call and you could hear it in her voice that she's, you know, uh, soft spoken and weak and elderly, but she was strong in her message. And it was, you know, you're, you're in a tough world. Yeah. And uh, it's still male dominated. But as a woman who take who's resourceful and takes initiative, as you just did, keep going, keep doing what you do. And the rest will will come when it's in its due course. So those are the two artists that I look up to. Of course, I love like all the others, the yeah. masters and Picasso and all that. They're great. I mean, it's good for them. But these are artists that really have not gotten the recognition they deserve. And they were making moves during a time like they're really ahead of their time i love it so yeah yeah and i actually sent her my book and she autographed it and sent it back that's so 
Yeah, that's what kind of a person she is. Yeah, so. I was just going to say that's, that's a big cool. testament as to yeah. who she is as a person, for sure. Yep, yeah. yep, yeah. yeah. To date, what would you say is your biggest high or your greatest win? Uh, my greatest win is accepting myself yeah. as I come, the full package. Yeah. Whether I'm having a good day or a bad day, whether you know I'm sharp or dull, whether I'm I'm productive or not, and whether I'm creating or not, I that's truly like accepting, accepting who I am. A lot of people don't want to no, accept who they right. are. You're right. A lot of people don't, and they so they pretend to be something they're not. Yes. And when that comes crashing down, yeah. so does the facade around that's them. That's right. And they're left. They're not even left with pieces to pick up because there's nothing there. It's all smoke and mirrors. Yeah. So for me to say to the world, as I have on, on Instagram, I have disabilities. I have mental health issues. I am not perfect. I do my best. I am self-taught. I didn't come from fancy schooling. And, and this is who I am. Take it or leave it is that's my biggest thing. And I honestly, that. that that didn't happen until this year. And I'm 42 and I'm mm. like, kind of giving an F you to the world, like yeah. the superficial world, yeah. F you superficial world. Here's Fuck me. You. Yeah. And yeah. whoever is wanting to be a part of the real world, you're welcome. Like you're welcome to be board, a part of my real world. Train. Yeah. yeah. And all of a sudden, all these people with all of their fancy lives are DMing me with their stories. And I'm like, <laughs> and there you go. There That's you go. Awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. That's what, a, what an amazing answer. I love your answer. What do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? Honestly, I think it's I'm ignorant <laughs> and oblivious. Ignorance I think is so. Bliss. It is. <laughs> I never Googled or uh, I never went on Instagram and hashtagged art to look up art accounts ever. Wow. I won't do it yeah. because then I will rank myself in this unranking way, but it's only within my own mind of to where I think I would land. Yeah. And at that point, would I have I continued to do what I do or would have I said, oh, what's the point? You and probably I think would have went that, with the latter. Yeah, I would have been like, whoa, this is way too much. Look at the yeah. world. It's so oversaturated with artists right now, especially with the iPads and the apps out there. Everyone can create cool art. And not just, yeah. I'm not diminishing it. I've done digital art, right. but it's like, it's a world of oversaturated images of art. Yeah. And I, I use hashtag art, hashtag artist, all that stuff, but I've never looked it up. And I think keeping my blinders up, it helps me to stay confident within my own abilities and confident within my own creative direction. I won't question it. Yeah. And so that's why I said ignorant, because I'm ignorant to a lot of things that <laughs> are out it. there. I remain <laughs> ignorant. I, I, I shelter myself from it. And then at the same time, I'm oblivious because of that. And I think it, it, it helps me. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not denying it. <laughs> Speaking of success, how do you define that word? What does the word success mean to you? You know, old Diana, it would have been the, the, how much money am I making? Yeah. Where's my five-year goal at? I always had goals and all these things and, and being proud of certain things that really didn't matter. Like what purse I was carrying and what, you know, all that crap. Yeah. And new Diana is like success is being able to sleep at night with this internal smile like your heart is smiling and realizing that you and when I say this about myself like I am so blessed I'm so and that to me is success because it doesn't matter if it's a good day or a bad day it doesn't matter if I sell for uh, two months and don't sell for six none of that matters it's being at peace with you 
And no matter what adversity comes your way, to be at peace and to close your eyes and to just feel that, that's success. Because I know a lot of rich people that are not happy. Yes, <laughs> you know what exactly. I mean? Yeah, for sure. And I, I see a lot of people that are gorgeous. I mean, like, you know, God gave them the, the gene pool lottery and they're not happy. Like there's all these things that people define as success, this image, the wealth, the blah, 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 blah. None of it matters if inside your core, your soul, your spirit, if that's not at peace, then how are you successful? So exactly. to me, that's success. I love it. That's success. What advice would you give someone wanting to pursue a career as an artist? Two things. You have to have thick skin and you have to believe in yourself more than anyone. You can't rely on others to believe in you because there's a lot of non-believers and a lot of people that want you to fail and, or they don't want you to succeed because of their own personal issues. So believing in yourself, which is hard to do, it's exhausting sometimes to constantly drive that boat, you know, on an an empty tank of gas, but believe in yourself. And then don't, when people are mean or they go out of their way to snub you or they make you feel less than, that's where the thick skin has to come in. And I'm still learning that we're all human and it hurts and it, you know, plays with your emotions and it gets in pure psyche. So just remember the world is filled with insignificant and the things that are significant outweigh that so much. So if you believe in yourself and you just kind of ignore or sound out the mean people or the haters, I think then you're capable of anything. You're, you're invincible at that. Point. Yeah. I think the, the self-limiting stuff is a hell of a lot worse to deal yeah. with than the external noise from the haters and the jealous people and all that stuff. Well, when you're doing well and you have jealousy, that sucks when you're not, when you don't have those people on your side, but yeah. when you're not doing well, and then also the self-doubt yes. creeps in, that's really hard to crawl out of. For sure. It really is. But sure. if you just tell yourself it's okay it's, you're okay it's okay to have a bad day it's okay to have a bad week or month or a quarter like i've had it but yeah. it's okay just keep following your passion your drive remember you're you're able to do what you love and tomorrow's a new day don't and if up. you just keep, don't one step at a time just yeah. literally one day at a time that's all you can expect from yourself you're human yeah, for sure. But I think too, see, we as humans, we you said one step at a time, we tend to look at the whole staircase and become overwhelmed. So if you yeah. do look at it one step at a time, it makes it that much easier. My husband just said yesterday, don't look at the tree, look at the forest. Yeah. If you're just staring at the tree, you don't see the forest. Yeah. And he's so right. right. Yeah, for he's sure. He's so right. Yeah. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? What was your life like after learning it? The number one thing I learned in my life is the meaning of humble, being humble. Okay. And to be humble really grounds you. And if you're not grounded, if you're just floating around, then trust me, when you get that big piece of humble pie, it will. (laughs) (laughs) And I had a huge pie served to me because I, so I think old Diana wasn't humble. Mm -hmm. I thought I was, but I wasn't. And new Diana is humble. And when you're humble, you're, it opens up a world of emotions yeah. and feelings like empathy and you can relate and you don't judge, you understand, you become more in tune with people. And that's who we're dealing with every day, whether it's relationships, professional or personal or whatnot. We're all 
in this together. And I think being humble before was weakness. Yeah. And being humble now is a strength. Yeah. Because I could now relate to a lot and I've learned a lot and empathize. And those are a lot of things that I know it sounds silly. They sound like they're basic human emotions, but not everybody has it. No, you're right. Your perspective has changed. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. What would you say is one of the best pieces of advice you've ever received? With respect to my profession is you can set your own worth. Don't wait for somebody to tell you what you're worth. And that was pertaining to um, my artwork. And I remembered it was like being hit, but like hit so hard when that person said that to me, it was like, wait a minute, why am I letting the people around me? And I said, yeah, but if, if I set it at this price, then, then I'm not going to be supported. And he goes, then you're, then you're surrounded by the wrong people. Right. And I just, it just, again, it was like every time I countered what he was saying, it hit me even more. It was like, yeah, why am I underrating myself? Because I'm trying to appease everybody around me. If I say something is worth $1,500 or like $1,500. And then I'm like, well, maybe not, you know what I mean? And then you you reduce your value of of what you're worth. So that way it appeals to the people that are around you and okay, I'll pay for a hundred bucks. Well, no, you're worth more than that. That's right. And I remember when he said that to me, I said, well, then I, I, I won't be able to sell a lot at, at that price. And he goes, then that's, don't you want to sell more quality than quantity? Yeah, for sure. And I just, and then all of a sudden again, it was like a big, yeah. another big smack in Light my bulb. face. Yeah. Yeah. Like Diana, you're surrounded by your family who loves you and cares for you, but they are on a limited income. So when yes. you tell them, you tell them a thousand dollars, they're like, you're on crack. No one's yeah. going to pay for it. But you meet this stranger on the sidewalk and he's like, no, this 18 by 18 inch canvas is going for $1,800 and no less and stand behind that brand and that price and people will respect it. And the ones that don't, you don't want to do business with, I was like, wow. And that really transformed me. I had to realize that I am worth whatever I dictate I'm worth. And if, and if a hundred people don't believe in it, great. But if five do then it just validates it. That's That's it. That's right. Not everyone is going to be your ideal client. That's it. And you can't make everybody happy. And the people around you, your family, your loved ones, of course they want you to succeed, but they don't have the same perspective into your world. And they can't therefore guide you. Yeah, for sure. You know, like, you know, neutrally. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's going to be bias there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that to me was like a life altering moment for sure. What does the word empowerment mean to you? I think to feel empowered is the root of it is confidence. When you feel confident in what you do, that's power. And then you feel empowered. And so for me, it's confidence and confidence as easily as it's said, as you know, it rolls off your tongue. (laughs) (laughs) Confidence. It's not easy to obtain, especially in our world, which is like, God help our children because we Mm -hmm. didn't grow up in this. I'm in yeah. my 40s and I'm struggling to maintain my confidence in my craft, to maintain my confidence in my content, in what I put out there, and confidence in myself. And I think when I've achieved that 100%, because it's a work in progress, then I'm truly invincible, like then I'm truly empowered. But I think that's the root of empowerment is confidence. Okay. What is something that people seem to misunderstand about you? People think I am um, very cold and unapproachable 
but it's only because I am so shy and socially awkward. <laughs> so okay. it, it amazes me. Uh, and I've, ha- I've had that my whole life. Uh, I remember my last day of high school, <laughs> my last day of high school, somebody said to me, you know, I was always so scared of you throw and she was a popular girl. <laughs> and I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, I always thought you were so angry. And I'm like, no. And meanwhile, I was terrified the whole time. <laughs> and I thought, I, I'm learning this on my last day of high school from the popular girl that I could have been friends with her. And she, if had I she had underst- only known, had she understood me, <laughs> yeah. you know, like I was smiling on the inside, but I was terrified. So people thought I was this mean, cold, unapproachable person, but it's wow. just because I was so shy and terrified that I, you know, that's who I am. And till this day that follows me that people think I am standoffish and unapproachable, but it's only because I'm so scared. And I, I tend to have a, a serious face, you know, yeah. like just, I, I don't smile naturally. Like a lot of okay. there's some people that have that beautiful thing about them. They're just smilers. Yeah. And that's one thing is I'm very shy. I'm very socially awkward. I worry about smallest things in social settings, put me in a business room, no problem. In an environment of that, no problem. But in social settings, like I, I really struggle, especially with women. Yeah. Believe it or not, it's really hard for me to relate uh, or speak to women. So I'm not mean. <laughs> it's not a. It's not my resting bitch face. <laughs> it's it's my terrified. It's my terrified face of like, what do I say if they say this? You know. Yeah. And, and so I'm working on that. I'm working on coming out of my shell. So good stuff. Yeah. What is one of your favorite quotes? Okay. This is going to sound really corny because when I read it, this was going back like freaking 30 years ago. Okay. And, and at that time, no one knew it. I was at this torturous piano recital for my younger sister where everybody's playing hymn to joy. And I was like going out of my mind. And I remember trying to look at anything in the room to just zone out because, yeah. you know, we didn't have phones then to distract us. Yes. And I was like 12 or something. And there was this, there was a sign on the wall and it said, and I'm sure you've heard it, reach for the moon. Even if you miss, you'll land amongst the stars, yeah. less woods. Yeah. Yeah. And it just was like, I read it over and over, over and over. And it's true. And everything I did from that point onwards, like not that point, but from when I started to work and was put in situations of taking risk or putting myself out there, I'm like, you'll land amongst the stars. You'll yeah. land amongst the stars. You'll <laughs> land amongst the stars. Because even it. if you don't hit the moon, you'll land amongst the stars. That's right. And so that's the thing. And I know like now everybody knows it, but when yeah. I read it, it, no one had heard it. Right. A lot of people can't even tell you who quoted it. I know yeah. the name. So, but that's what I always tell myself. You'll land amongst the stars. You'll land I amongst the that. stars. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So Uh-oh. next group of questions, <laughs> just be one, two, three word answer type thing. Okay. Okay. How would you describe yourself in one word? Stubborn. <laughs> what's, <true>. your, <laughs> what's your favorite stress reducing activity okay aside from our uh binge watching anything okay what's one thing just you turning want? off my brain you know yeah yeah for sure <laughs> what's one thing you want but cannot buy with money my health back if you could teach the world one thing what would it be oh gosh life's too short life's you, too short yes that it definitely is and that's why i think we need to go after the things we want in life you don't yeah, know how long you no have. Tomorrow. Just go for it. That's right. Nobody's promised tomorrow. Or the next hour. That's right. Like Yeah, for sure. 
If you could change one thing about the world, what would you change? Oh God, one word. Okay, uh, political corruption. Okay. That's that for me. Like yeah. if, that, if that eliminated that, a lot, a lot of things would be solved. Entrepreneur life is a struggle. If you the came struggle with, is real. Yeah, that it is. <laughs> the struggle is real. If you came with a warning label, what would yours say? Don't lie to me. <laughs> don't lie to me. I can handle everything else. Just don't yeah. lie. The last book or podcast I listened to or read was. The Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Oh, yes, that was a book. Manson. Yeah. yeah. What's the first thing you think when I say the word future? Unknown. And I'm okay with that. That concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly wow. scheduled program. Cool. <laughs> if you could sit down and have a one hour conversation with anyone alive or dead, who would it be and why? Okay. Uh, you know what? There's, can I say two people quickly? Sure. This is, this is going to sound really crazy. The first person that ever came to my mind when that question, when I read that question was Elvis Presley. Okay. And I remember being nine years old and just being drawn in mm-hmm. with his music. There's a sadness to it. And then when I read his biography again at nine, it just blew me away that you think he's so fabulous and fabulous life, but he really struggled. Yeah. So I would love, I'd love like an hour with him. But the, okay. the person that I really gravitated towards, again, it's another musician, ironically, is Prince. Yes. Because he always went to the beat of his own drum and he didn't really give a crap. Yeah. And even he, when they tried to take his power away and his name away, he, he was like, okay, well, F you guys, I'll go to, I'm going to revert to this symbol until yeah. I can get my name back. Yeah. And he just did what he wanted to do. And he yeah. was remembered for that. And I think that's the beauty and the definition of, of like success is to be free in yourself. And uh, like, it's too bad that they're both gone, but those are, yeah. those are the top two. That yeah. man, Prince, he was an incredible talent. He is one of those people, back to that question about just born with an innate ability. Yeah. Like that is just incredible talent that yeah, just amazing, phenomenal. I saw him live in concert once, and I'm so glad that I got to see him perform Lucky. at least yeah. once. Just Till this day, the most memorable Super Bowl uh, halftime show was with him. Yes. And I don't sure. know if you remember, it was raining, yes. so he put his hair in a hairnet to protect it yeah. because <laughs> he wasn't about to ruin his hair yeah. for no rain, but he performed and he just did his thing, his high yeah. heels, his skinny pants, his yeah. net shirt, his eyeliner, whatever he wanted to do, he did. And he was ahead yeah. of his time and he did it. And he just for followed sure. his, he didn't follow everyone around him. Nope. He followed what his insides, his core has told him. So, yeah. I mean, like that's what I'm assuming, but that's yeah. why I would love to spend an hour with him. Because yeah. I think I'd walk away a rock star myself. I'd be like, yeah, I got this, I got this now. I got this. Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell me about a moment when a person's kindness made a difference in your life? There's been a few, to be honest with you. But especially since being humbled and having my disabilities and losing my bearings in public and or having moments of, you know, being confused or whatnot. But I honestly, there's been so many. I would, I would, I would have to say it was... You know, I, I'll just I'll just keep it short. It was a very compassionate nurse, mm-hmm. and I was uh, I was pregnant, and I was having mental health issues. Yeah, and she talked to me like a person and not a person that was struggling, because we we all struggle. Does yes. that make sense? Yeah, for sure. And I just remembered she wasn't a nurse and I wasn't a patient. She was just a human, and I was yeah. a human. And she had compassion, and it was authentic and genuine. And I and just feeling that just kind of makes you feel like it's okay. Yeah. And to, to have that natural ability to be able to do that is to me is not very common. For not sure. Very, For yeah. sure. 
Who in your life has had the biggest impact on you and why? I'm going to have to say my husband. You know, growing up, yes, your parents have an impact on you and so forth, but they sort of put blinders on me. I was oblivious to like the real world. And they were very old school, like get married, have kids kind of thing. That's success. Mm. Whereas my my husband, when I met him, kind of like it was a rude awakening. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, who taught you how to speak? You, you know, is English your second language? This is how you <laughs> say things. And I was like, excuse me. I actually didn't realize I was pronouncing things incorrectly. And, you know, he, he loved me, but it was like, if you love someone so much, you don't lie to them. You tell them yeah. the truth. Yeah. And he also gave me like full creative freedom. Like he always says to me, stop worrying. I'm, I, I'm your partner in this and I got you. So, you know, whatever you need. And, yeah. but, but along the way he has like, kind of like done the cold hard smack, like wake up. <laughs> yeah. Smart enough. And to, yeah, but it's like one of those, it's the, it's, I don't want to call it tough love because he does it in his way, but it's, it's true and unconditional love, regardless of my flaws or faults or my disabilities or whatever he's going through, I'm going through, he yeah. doesn't, he looks at it as just me yeah. and he's always truthful and he's always impactful with his words. Like, like I told you earlier that stop looking at the tree and look at the forest, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, it's that it's those sorts of things. So, and he's impacted my life more in 10 years than you know my parents did i love you yeah. mom and dad but in 40 <laughs> years you know what i mean yeah, <laughs> like for sure it, yeah so i'd have to give the credit okay. to him the most yeah yeah what's your personal motto oh god you know if, there is no such thing as i can't mm-hmm. that's it because even when i even when i had my own hiccup and I was like, now what? I could sit at home and, and be like, you know, watching soap operas and I can't because I have disabilities and I can't because I, I don't know if I'm going to have a flare and I, or I could choose to do the best that I can and teach myself and all that. But, yeah. you know, when my, my children say, I can't do this, why not? There's no such thing as I can't. If you really, if you're deeply motivated to do something, including change, yeah. then you can do it. So I, that's, that's that there's no such thing as I can't. We can, we can do anything we want in life, in this world. Anything is possible. As long as you set your mind to it and put in the work, anything is possible. You have possible. to be deeply motivated. Yes, like, for sure. You know, they say people can't change. They can, they just have to be deeply motivated to yeah. change. Yeah. yeah. If you could step into my shoes, what would you have asked yourself that I didn't ask you? How is it like to be a female artist? in what's still a male dominated industry. Okay. Answer that question then. I would love it to hear sucks. it. sucks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's hard. Uh, full disclosure. When I first mm-hmm. started painting, I signed my initials because I didn't want people to know I was a female artist wow. because I would see women, you know, walk past women painted artists, like uh, paintings, knowing that it was painted by a woman, but they would reach a, a painting by a man and they would pause. Why does that have more value? Yeah. You know, it, it drove me nuts. So I hid my name, I hid everything, and I just put DJ in the on the front. And mm-hmm. so you can't tell. You can't tell. I still signed DJ in the front. And and then I would see people doing things, and it was so much easier for a guy. All he had to do was wear a t-shirt and paint stained jeans and running shoes and and he's accepted. Yeah. But for a female artist to represent herself, there's like two boxes. Either you're like this eccentric, crazy hair with tool and crazy glasses. Or you're this knockout European looking blonde in stilettos and painting in a, in a tight black dress. And I'm like, <laughs> like what's <laughs> happening here? And this is social media driven, right? These are what yeah. people gravitate towards yeah. is that it feeds their eyes. 
For but sure. with men, with male artists, they don't look at what they're wearing. They're not looking at what they're, that they're wearing the same baseball cap for 10 years, you know, like they could just be themselves and that's it and stand behind their art. But it's a struggle. I think we've come a long way. I still think we have a long way to go. I put my name and my face out there now so that it is something for my daughters to look towards because I have two daughters and I don't yeah. want them to feel like just because you're a girl doesn't mean anything. Look, I'm putting my face out there. I'm putting my name out there. People know I'm a female artist and that's, that's it. I just want to lead by example and be strong. Like I know a lot of amazing female artists, but I also see, and I know a lot of amazing male artists, but I do see the difference in yeah. how they're reflected and represented and, and yeah. So it's, it's still a male dominated industry, but um, like a lot of industries, I mean, there's still, still a ton of work to be done in terms of ton. propelling ton. women to where they need to be and amplifying women and elevating yeah. women to where they need to be in a lot of industries around the world. So there's a lot yeah. of work to do for sure. There has been, incremental changes but it's nowhere near where it should be no the year 20 there was an author i can't remember who but she used to sign her name with an initials because she didn't want people to judge her books based on her being a female author wow. and she's huge and that's what women have had to do to just so that they, their work is judged based on its work and not that it's who's standing behind it yeah <laughs> you know so that's the one thing that's still, oh, wow. a, and you have daughters, right? So yeah. it's, uh-huh. you would want them to know that anything's an option for them Absolutely. and they're not going to be judged based and, on their sex. And that's what we did with them from when they were children, told them that you can yeah. achieve anything you want in life. Don't ever yeah. let anyone tell you that you can't because yeah. you can, as long as you're willing to put in the work and yeah. focus, you can do it. It doesn't matter what anybody says. I think that's important I mean, to yeah. instill in our children. Especially 100%. As you know, my, there's a huge age gap in my kids, but one's 22 and one's six between the two girls, there's like a huge age gap. But, you know, I, I want to instill in them the reality of the world. Of course, if you can be a doctor and then you're a doctor, you can be a lawyer and then you're a lawyer, you study, you get, and then you're, there you are. But if you're going to try to prove yourself in a very broad spectrum, whether it's business and there's a pool of people, then it's, there is going to always be a struggle and you're always going to have to go above and beyond and prove yourself. And I confided in you when I was in my business world, like this guy would walk in with his silver hair and suit and people would go quiet and listen to him and he was automatically respected. And I would walk in and they would like be like, who's this kid who's young enough yeah. to be my grandchild going to tell me what's she going to have to say? Yeah. But if I was, if I was a guy walking in being even young, I would still be given respect of without course. even opening my mouth. Yeah. 100%. So, and that's the reality of the world. And unfortunately it trickles into every industry in every country. Yeah. But, but it's, it needs it's, to change. It needs to change, but it, you have to go in with your eyes open for sure. So that way as a woman, it's not like you're overcompensating, but you're not blind to it. That's right. And you, and you just you, you just keep pushing yeah for all the all the women after that's you that's right blazing that trail for sure yeah exactly if you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice what would that piece of advice be you're good enough you're good enough i was always like doubting and scared and insecure and picked on and all that stuff if i had just had the confidence that i'm good enough i think it opens doors because your eyes are and your mind is closed off to it you're not good enough for this. You're not good enough for that. So you, you hold yourself back. Right. And if I can go back in time and just say, Diana, you're good enough. And, and people think you're amazing and you don't have to prove anything like you're good enough. 
that's what I would love to do. I actually, I'd love to go and tell every child that because a lot of them don't even realize how yes. amazing they are in their own right. You know, yeah, they're all for sure. Yeah. And again, I think that goes back to we as parents need to instill those values in our children from a very young age, boys and girls, both. Yeah. They need to be told because I think that if you're told something enough, you start to believe yeah. it. So if we just keep drilling that into their heads and telling them that they're good enough just as they are, they'll start to believe it. I, my my older sister, she was born with like big ears. And so mm-hmm. my parents, when she was a child, like two years of age, had her undergo plastic surgery to fix her ears. Wow. And my daughter, my six-year-old, uh, the other day, she put her hair back and my older sister said, I think her ears stick out. And I said, yeah, aren't they beautiful? Yes, exactly. I just see them as beautiful. I yeah. really do. And if, they're I, if what she makes hears her that, if then, then there's no barrier. She's That's good right. enough. She doesn't That's right. need to have you know to be good enough yeah and and that's how i approach my children i always say to them like you're you're a better version to my daughters like you're a better version than i could have ever wished to be yeah you know and they're not perfect trust me on that but they're beautiful i i just see everything is perfect though and her ears are what make her unique they're beautiful i said yeah i was actually really excited when i saw them because it's her i said yeah "Yeah, aren't they beautiful imagine somebody said that to my older sister then yeah. And what, how she would look at things differently. Because once one thing is pointed out, then yeah. everything is put under a magnifying glass. Yes. And then you don't feel good enough. And That's our right. world today is even harder yes. because of social media and oh, filters absolutely. and all that crap. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Lastly, Dan, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, what would that last 30-second oh, sound like? I thought about this one long and hard. I And all I kept going back to is the crooks of everything that I've been doing is it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your gender, your creed. It doesn't matter. When you strip all of that back, we're all the same. We're all vulnerable We all want to be loved. We all want to be validated. We are all one. And if everybody could just see that, the beauty of that, that the core, the innocence to it all, I think it would be a much more beautiful place for for our children to grow up in. The world would definitely be very different. That's for sure. Yeah. Just who cares about anything? Like, I mean, of course, I say this. Living in Canada and the privileges that I grew up with, so of course it's easy for me to say. Right. And that's that's what held me back from wanting to say it. But that's truly what came to mind. Yeah. But there's so much work to be done in the world. But if we could just strip back everything, doesn't matter the country, doesn't matter any anything. And I think that's what the global pandemic did for like a minute. <laughs> we were all, it didn't matter which country you were in, it didn't matter your age. It didn't matter your wealth. We were all susceptible to this thing, and it made us all one. We were yeah. all vulnerable yeah. for a minute, right? And mm-hmm. that was the only beautiful thing out of COVID. You can message anyone around the world and say, stay safe, and they were in the same shoes as you. Yes. And now that we're kind of going past it, it's like, oh, it's too bad that that's lost. Now it's just focusing on different things. But but it doesn't have to be lost, though. That, no. And that was part no. of my concern or or worry or thought that when we do come out the other side of this thing will the people 
still keep that same mindset and slow down and enjoy things in life and just take things slower and not get all caught up in the materialistic bullshit. And I've got to have this and I've got to have that. And it's back to hustle bustle and all this shit and all this craziness. I was hoping that people for the most part would remain grounded and keep those things in mind that they, that they went through during the pandemic and that, you know what, we do need to take the time to slow down and enjoy the small things in life and enjoy time with family, enjoy time with friend, all that stuff. You know, that no, was my I don't, only hope when we came out the other side of it. I honestly don't think it will happen. Like it's like when we went through the conservative fifties and then people went crazy in the sixties, Yeah, <laughs> you know, like it's just human nature when you're bottled up, then you explode. And then when, after you explode, you, you tailor it back. And yeah. it's just these, these rhythms that we as humans go through, it, it's just the only thing is that we can, you and I can both say we lived through this pandemic and it was a time where everybody was home and everyone was together and we, you know, we didn't know what was going to happen next. And it's, there was this the fear, trust me on that. I was like holding my chest for four days when I couldn't yeah. get diapers and baby food. And I'm like, yeah. oh my God, there was also this like beauty to it that came out of it that all, all my children were home and we were all, yeah. we couldn't go anywhere and we were all just spending time with each other. And, but I just, I just, if I was to wish for anything, it would just stop with the political BS, the yeah. religious BS, the question. Like, I don't care. I don't care how you choose to live your life. I don't care how you identify. I don't care about your religion. I don't. That's yeah. great. Those are all things that we grew up with, but it's not what you chose, but like remove all of that. Yeah. And you're a human being and I'm a human being and we're both vulnerable and we're both in this rat race together. We're trying to raise our children. We're trying yep. to uh, find right. ourselves along the way, yeah. taking one day at a time, being scared, being happy. Be- we're all the same. We're That's right. Same. We all bleed the same color. We exactly. all go out the same way. We all end up yep. in a box in the yep. ground or yep. in, in a crypt in the wall. I mean, yep. that's, that's, we if we're all, lucky. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. I mean, yeah. we all, yeah. I don't know. That's a whole other podcast episode, I think. No, we yeah, can go down a rabbit hole there. <laughs> if the world could just be simplified, yeah, that, would be, for sure. that would be beautiful. That would really be beautiful. Yes, Everything's always so overcomplicated. It is, for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. Diana, thank you so very much for taking the time to share your no thoughts problem. and your journey, your perspective. And it's been such an incredibly interesting chat. And Thank you for sharing your journey and taking me on your journey with you. Um, oh, I, I, I truly it. appreciate you taking the time to be here. And welcome to the Empowerography community. I am so happy Yay. and honored to have you as part of the community. And it's just I'm it, so happy. Like honestly, I'm I'm proud to be a part of your club. <laughs> I'm officially a part of the club. <laughs> you are, you are. <laughs> and and I really appreciate you giving me a voice um, because a lot of people just kind of swipe, swipe, swipe. Yeah, yeah, so to sure. give me a voice is, is really powerful. And I appreciate that. It is my pleasure and my honor. Thank so you. Once, once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Diana Jolene. She is an artist based right here in Toronto. Thank you so much, Diana. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. Thanks. And same to you. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. 
Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.